0: You know, today I have the privilege of speaking on a topic that I think is very important, but sometimes overlooked and sometimes not addressed enough. And I'd like to start by just saying, you know, when you and I become a Christian, when you and I accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and when we made that internal decision to finally follow Christ, right, and to change our life and to try to do right in his eyes, there was one thing That should have been made available to you and I. That one thing is a thing that's in God's tool bag. It's a tool that I believe God has put in there. But like all of you men that have tool bags, you know, you have the tools you always use. And then you have some of the ones that are kind of just at the bottom because you never use them. They end up there like, oh, yeah, what's this? Oh, that's for something that I hardly ever need. I just needed it this one time. But this is a tool that should be used more often and it's the tool that is meant to build us up as Christians. It is meant to make us stronger. It is meant to make us smarter in the things of God. How many of you know we' got to be smart in the things of God? And it's meant to improve our faith. I'm talking about and I'm actually not talking about because I know some of you are probably thinking, like, is it prayer? It's important. It's a tool, but it's not what I'm talking about. Is it personal reading time? It's important, but that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, pastor, it's coming to church. Yes, that's important, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something called fellowship. Fellowship. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that prayer and reading and church attendance is not important. Please don't leave here and say, hey, pastor said... Well, The most important tool is fellowship. No, that's not what I'm saying. These are extremely important tools. But what I am saying is that fellowship is actually as important. And I believe that we all want fellowship, right? Don't we? We all want connection, don't we? I believe we all want fellowship. But sometimes we don't get fellowship for possibly two reasons. Number one... Fellowship isn't made available to you because maybe you never get invited. That happens. That happens in churches sometimes. People get overlooked. People come to church and sometimes there's cliques. And the us four and no more cliques and we can't add a fifth one. And so new people get left out. Hopefully that's not the reason. Sometimes the reason is you're always invited, but you just never want to go. You just don't want to connect with anybody for valid reasons maybe. Maybe you have a a connection issue. You're afraid to connect with people because when you connect with people, you're afraid of getting hurt. And that's a real thing too, church, that we have to be aware of. That there's some people that need a little bit more of a, a tug and a push and a pull because there's just some things that maybe hold them back. Or, unfortunately, number two, maybe you do get invited. And it actually may not really be the unfortunately the true type of fellowship that god intended for you it's a different type of fellowship but before we continue we got to first look at what fellowship is what is fellowship now i looked up two definitions the google definition i always like to look at what google says and it says it's the friendly association especially with people who share one's interest like a club you know sororities you know those are those are kind of like fellowship groups in the Google format but then there's a godly definition of fellowship and I love this godly definition that I came across and it's godly definition of fellowship is this if you have notes I would write this down because you can really go deep on this godly definition of fellowship mutual cooperation in God's worship, God's work, and God's will being done in our midst. Mutual cooperation. That means you're part of something. And what is the something? God's worship, God's work, and God's will. The word fellowship, if you go deeper, actually comes from the Greek word kiononia, kiononia, excuse my pronunciation for all you Greek scholars, which means holding something in common. Holding something in common. The word kiononia is used 20 times in the New Testament. 20 times. There's more talk of fellowship in the New Testament than there is in the Old. Kiononia is described as The unity of the spirit that comes from our Christian shared beliefs, convictions, and behaviors. Okay, so now I kind of laid out what fellowship is. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, this is a beautiful example of unity. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread And the prayers. Now I want to point something out. Many people misinterpret the breaking of bread as fellowship. If you look closely, there's a comma there. It means it's not the same thing. Okay? Let's start with the apostles' teaching. What that means is part of what was going on in Acts is they were going to church. They were listening to their pastors. They were hearing messages from their pastors. Okay? That's important. But then it says, and the fellowship. That's meaning getting together. Then the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread referred to communion. The sacred act and the obedience to the commandment that Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. That's called communion. We do communion that new harvest. Amen. Because God commanded us to. It's important. And to the prayers it says. This scripture teaches that fellowship is supposed to be part of the Christian experience. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about being involved in the commandments of God. It's not just about praying. Those are important. But fellowship is in there, do you notice? And it's in the scripture that talks about how fast the church was growing. It's in a scripture about what God was saying when there was a mighty move of God after the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. Fellowship was part of that outcome. Just as coming to church and hearing your pastors preach is important, just as partaking in communion is important, just as praying is important, fellowship is right there on the list. But just like those things have a purpose... Prayer has a purpose. Coming to church to listen to your pastors preach has a purpose. Communion has a purpose. Guess what? Fellowship has a purpose. Now let me clarify. Biblical fellowship has a purpose. Biblical fellowship has a purpose. Because there's different types of fellowship. To illustrate, I have this story I'd like to share, so please bear with me. I call it the Trug Hug Illustration. So I'm going to read this true story. It says, in the fall of the year, Linda, a young woman, was traveling alone up the rutted and rugged highway from Alberta to the Yukon. This is in Canada. Linda didn't know you don't travel to Horse alone in a rundown Honda Civic. So she set off where only four-wheel drivers normally venture. The first evening, she found a room in the mountains near a summit and asked for a 5 a.m. wake-up call so she could get up early and start her drive. She couldn't understand why the clerk looked at her surprise at her request, but as she awoke to early morning fog shrouding the mountaintops, she understood. Not wanting to look foolish, she got up and went to breakfast. Two truckers invited her to join them, and since the place was so small, she felt obliged. Where are you headed, one of the truckers asked. White horse. In that little Honda Civic? No way. This pass is dangerous in weather like this. Well, I'm determined to try, was Linda's gutsy response, even though she was uninformed. Then I guess we're just gonna have to hug you, the trucker suggested. Linda drew back and said, there's no way I'm letting you touch me. No, not like that, the truckers chuckled. We'll put one truck in front of you and one in the rear. In that way, we'll get you through the mountain pass. All that foggy morning, Linda followed the two red dots in front of her, and she had reassurance of the big escort behind her that made their way safely through the mountains. Caught in the fog, in our dangerous passages of life, church, we need to be hugged. We need to be hugged with fellow Christians who know the way and can lead us safely ahead. Because they know this person is not realizing how dangerous this road is. And gently encourage her to come along and follow you. God intended for us to walk together, church. We're not meant to walk this path of faith alone without company. People sometimes say, oh, all I need is Jesus. Not according to my Bible. It says you need fellowship. But I'm not, a, I'm not that type of person. Well, then you need to become that type of person because basically this person did not think she needed the trucker's help. I can get through it. I got this. The truckers are like, no, you don't. You think you do, but you don't, little girl. And see, and sometimes that's how we need to look at Christians. They mean well, don't they? When they get saved, I was telling my wife just this the other day. I remember, like, man, I remember when I was two years saved, I thought I could go be a pastor overseas. I look now, I'm like, what a foolish thought I had. It takes a lot more than two years to be a pastor. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this some of our pastors did that, so credit to them. But I'm talking about myself. I know me, and two years, I would have failed. I already know. But this person had confidence like like I did when I was two years saved. Oh, I got a civic. I can make it. But see, fellowship serves the purpose of guiding and protecting the younger Christians, the safety church. Do you know fellowship has that purpose? Specifically, this example shows That the more seasoned and experienced Christians should be willing to come alongside the newer ones. Less experienced with the purpose of guiding them safely through the dangerous passes of life. We're not meant to do this alone as much as we think we can. And no offense to you if you think, no, I can do this with or without people. I appreciate your confidence. But Lord, I pray that God brings people more seasoned alongside of you because there is so much you can learn. I know you know a lot, but there's so much more you can learn, which leads me to one of the purposes of fellowship, which is discipleship. Remember, everything that God puts in his word has a purpose. Prayer has a purpose. Coming to church has a purpose. Having communion has a purpose, as does fellowship. And one of those purposes is discipleship. Fellowship that has a purpose should include discipleship. If you want to know, am I involved in true fellowship, ask yourself, is there discipleship? If there is no form of guidance or discipleship, it really isn't fellowship. It's more just like hanging out. God didn't call us just to hang out, church. I have an example. I remember as a young disciple, whenever someone would come to church for the first time and got saved, there was a group of us guys that made it a point to reach out to that guy and invite them out to Jack in the Box. Man, you want to go to Jack in the Box? Sure. All right, let's go. We're going up the street. Come on. As we got older, we transitioned to more refined taste, and now we take them out, and we start taking them out for coffee. But if Jack in the Box works, go for it. And if it was a new couple, my wife and I would go and take them out to fellowship as a couple, but all for the purpose of discipleship. See, we cared enough for their salvation to pour into them. We encouraged them to serve God, to stay connected, to not get off the road, to not try to do things by yourself, to come alongside seasoned Christians and let them guide you. And you know why? Because people did the same thing for us. They took us to rallies, Burgers and Jack in the Box. It wasn't just hanging out. I remember in my early years, people would pull me aside and talk to me and take me out. And they would ask me questions about my faith. So how are you doing, Jose? How's your Bible reading? What are you reading in the Bible right now? And I thought that was normal. So I grew up in a church environment where that's what took place. What's your conversation like with a new convert? What's your favorite movie? That's cool. Where do you like to go eat? That's cool. But is there any faith injected in there anywhere? Is there any encouragement about Bible reading and spiritual development anywhere in that conversation? Because that's what they need. That's true fellowship. It's part of discipleship. It's discipleship with a purpose, church. Now, another purpose of fellowship is encouragement. That's the other purpose of fellowship. It's not just discipleship. It's encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, quote unquote, capitalized D, drawing near. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 says, Therefore encourage one another. And build one another up just as you are doing. Now, both of these scriptures have a common word. And that word is encourage. Fellowship is a time to encourage one another, church. Fellowship is a time to check in with one another. How are you doing? How was that last trial you had? Did, did it work out? Did you get through it? What, what took place? Did God do something for you? Praise God. That's awesome. Man, thank you, Jesus. Ask how each other's faith is going, not just how's your day going. And ask, are they growing? Are you growing in the faith? So when people ask you, how are you doing and how are things in your life going, please don't be offended. In this very independent society that we live in, It's none of your business, is it? Some people ask you, how you doing? What book in the Bible are you reading? And people get offended. What does he think I don't read? Gosh. (sighs) It's like, I'm just asking because I care about your growth. I care about your faith. Please don't get offended, church, when people reach out to you and ask you, how's your prayer life? It's not that they're trying to be nosy and judge you. They probably want to encourage you like the Bible says to do so. They may be trying to build you up like the Bible says so. And the first scripture mentioned, it says, now more than ever, we need this encouragement. Why? Because the day is drawing near. And what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day that Jesus comes back for his church. Basically, the scriptures is telling us that we need to be and stay encouraged because Jesus is coming back. You know, God doesn't want a defeated church. He wants an encouraged church. Amen. He wants us to be encouraged when he comes back. Because if we don't stay encouraged, we can get caught off guard and not ready for the return of Jesus. Because when we're not encouraged through fellowship... When we're not discipled through fellowship, what happens is you lose connection to a vital strategy that God intended for the church to use. This is why people that pray, read, and come to church sometimes stop serving God because they lack fellowship. I'm talking about the right fellowship, the disciple fellowship, the encouraging fellowship. Fellowship is a key to being ready for Christ's return. That's why it's so cool when people come to church and they sit around and talk afterwards. That's fellowship, isn't it? I love it. My wife and I, when we come back to Norwalk, we feel so refreshed to see people we love and care about that actually check in with us. How are things going, Pastor Jose? How's everything? Because we know they mean it. We know there's a genuine concern for us. Doesn't it feel good when people are concerned for you? But the devil lies to people sometimes and says, ah, they don't stop bugging me. Ah, just leave me alone. Can I encourage you? God's using them to encourage you. And if you were one of those encouragers, it's easy to get discouraged when people shun your encouragement. And then you end up saying, I'm never going to encourage. I'm just going to let people fall. I'm going to let people stumble. Can I tell you? No. No. Don't give up. God has called you to be an encourager. You know, you know what really? You know, the apostle Paul was so powerful, wasn't he? One of the disciples in his life was known as the brother of encouragement, Barnabas. The man who discipled Paul was an encourager. And look at what he made. God made him, but look at what God used in him to make a mighty discipler, planner, apostle, Paul the apostle. An encourager was part of his life. I believe if Barnabas wasn't there, Paul wouldn't have become the person he did. See, we got to look at the big picture church. Encouragement is important. Your words of encouragement during time of fellowship may encourage a brother or sister just to keep going on one more day when they felt like quitting that day. Your encouragement may turn their disaster into an answer, amen? Your encouragement during a time of fellowship may supply them with the direction they need when they're feeling lost. And and if you feel a nudge in your spirit, in your heart, you know what? I feel like I need to call so-and-so. I should call so-and-so. I have praise reports, and I have tragic reports of that. I have praise reports where a brother tells me, man, pastor, you don't know how important it was that day you called me. I was like, really, why? Because you never answered my calls. I felt like telling them, but I didn't. But he answered that day. He goes, because I was going through something. And I was telling God, man, I don't know what to do. And then your, your name shows up on my phone. And it helped me to get through that trial. That's a testimony. But then I also have the regrets of not listening to the tug to call somebody and then not calling them and then finding out that they went through something. And I think, man, if only I would have called them, maybe that I could have helped change the outcome of that. You see, church, fellowship, encouragement is important Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says this, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You know what that is? It's, a, it's, a, it's when two swords, have you guys ever seen a chef sharpening his knife? Yeah. You got to rub up against each other sometimes. You got to be close in proximity to become sharp as a Christian. There might be some sparks that fly. I don't like what you told me. But you become sharper, you become more of a dangerous weapon against the kingdom of hell. When you allow yourself to be sharpened, amen? Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. But unfortunately, not all fellowship is true biblical fellowship. Not all fellowship is created equal. There is something called counterfeit fellowship counterfeit fellowship. And as the story I shared about the truck hugger earlier I shared the people that come alongside you need to be the right people. They need to be the right people. The company you hang with in fellowship need to be the right company. If this girl in the story just instead of having those truckers there had another group of girls with beat-down Camrys and Civics. And they said, come on, girl, we can do it. Let's go. This is fun. We're in the mountains. It would have ended in disaster because they were all in the same place. They were all driving cars that were not meant for that road and those conditions. You see, it's important that you are with the right people, not that you're just with people. She didn't like what the truckers told her. We're going to have to hug you. She got a little offended, didn't she? What? You ain't touching me. But they were trying to help. Thank God those truckers were there at that same place that girl was. Had she not, it would have been disastrous, wouldn't it have? See, if you're hanging with the wrong people and you're calling it fellowship, you're actually in the danger of being what's called counterfeit fellowship versus authentic fellowship. Notice I said authentic. I say authentic because there can be counterfeit fellowship that looks legit. It feels right. It looks real, but it's not real at all. As Christians, we need to be careful to not be part of this counterfeit fellowship Now, this type of fellowship is not some kind of sneaky, evil plan that, oh, let's be counterfeit fellowshippers. No, Um, it's not. I believe all fellowship starts off well intended. Hey, let's get together. We're all on fire for Jesus. Yeah, let's go. But we are in the danger of falling into counterfeit fellowship if we're not careful. But what makes fellowship counterfeit fellowship? Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says this, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Many Christians think fellowship is just two or more Christians getting together. That's not what the scripture says. That's not all there is to it. The key is, are you gathered together in his name? Now, what I'm about to say may not tickle you pink, but I believe it needs to be said. Because the day draws near. Like like the Bible says, more than ever, have fellowship because the day draws near. When you sit and gossip about the church, when you sit and gossip about people in the church, when you sit and gossip about the pastors of the church, God is not there amongst you. You want to know why? Because the scripture says, when we gather together in his name. If we're gossiping, then God is not in the midst of that. That means you're not gathered in his name, which means that's not true fellowship. God is never in the midst of gossip, church. God is never in the midst of gossip. I pray what Pastor Sergio said yesterday resonates. Take something home with you today. God God allowed you to be here so you can hear something that he wants you to know. He wants you to know this church. Because how many know the devil is sly? The devil tries to infiltrate the church. Oh, Pastor, you're so negative. Jesus said that. He said, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. What does that mean? Jesus said there's going to be some wolves, there's going to be some demonic influences that come into these church doors. He knew it. He was telling the disciples, be ready. And one of those wolves comes in as gossip. Counterfeit gossip. I mean, counterfeit fellowship. This is what the Bible says about gossip. James 4, 11, Brothers and sisters... Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. James 1, 26, he continues. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. You know what? this is a scary thought church if we're talking about people in the midst of so-called fellowship your faith is becoming worthless you're devaluing your faith you're bringing your faith that was worth 100 carats of gold down to two carats of gold i mean you're deval. we don't want to devalue what god is doing in our life church And if you find yourself in the midst of people who are always talking about something they see in other people that are not present, you might be involved in counterfeit fellowship. They can call it fellowship. Hey, you want to go hang out? Hey, girl, you want to go grab some coffee? But if all that's coming out of their mouth is bad talk about people that aren't there with you, that's counterfeit fellowship. And you need to be careful because it will eventually affect you. Now I've heard countless times people say to me, "Oh no, pastor, I'm my own man. I can discern. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm not easily persuaded." Some of you may have heard people tell you that. However, if you keep placing yourself into those counterfeit fellowship situations, you're going to begin to be corrupted. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 says, "Do not be deceived." bad company corrupts good character again everybody's well intended everybody has a good heart when they get saved your clans you're washed by the blood of jesus and you might be in good character that's why i say be careful who you hang out with because unfortunately there are some people that are bad company And if you start to align yourself with them and fall in with them and go everywhere with them and feel like you have to do everything because they encourage you to do it with them, your good character could begin to be corrupted. This is a real danger. Otherwise, why would the Bible be talking about it, church? In closing, true fellowship is when you hang around and are influenced by those who... Who have fellowship with the Father, who have fellowship with the Son, and who have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, the apostle says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. See, you need to hang around with people that are hanging around with Jesus in prayer. You need to hang around with people that are seeking the face of the Father in prayer. You don't want to hang around with people that don't seek God. You don't want to hang around with people that are not in fellowship with God. 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know what Paul is saying there? May God's grace and love be with you. Praise God for that. We feel his love. We know his grace. But then it says, we also should know fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Are we communion? Are we communing with the Holy Spirit when we pray? That's why Paul says, pray in the Spirit always. Because we need to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. When you're in communion with the Holy Spirit, when you're in communion with God, when you're in communion with God the Father, God the Son, you are in communion with true fellowship. And when people hang out with you, they're going to experience true fellowship. True Authentic fellowship brings growth to the church. That's why I believe God said it's important to have it. True, authentic fellowship brings growth to the church. It doesn't deplete the church. If you're in fellowship and in that midst of fellowship people are encouraging you to not go to church, that's counterfeit fellowship. Be warned and be careful. Because don't we want to grow in Christ? That means to grow in Christ, we need to encourage others to grow in Christ so that the church can grow in Christ. And our influence in this world can grow. Acts chapter 2 verse 46 to 47 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. That's the food part we love. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Yes, we always praise God for food. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Look at this. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Those who were being saved. You know why people were getting saved? Because they were having authentic fellowship. You know why the church was growing? Because they were having authentic, true fellowship. They were having food, praise God. But food is not fellowship. It's part of it. But it's not the only part of It's that authentic power of God communion with people that are communing with god the father god the son god the spirit are is that evident in their life and see and church i believe god more than ever as the day approaches i believe god is giving us a warning as the day approaches we need to be careful we need to watch out like jesus said for those wolves in sheep's clothing You don't think the devil wants to insert those people into the church? He basically already announced it to God, and that's why Jesus was announcing it to his disciples so they could be careful because he's a God that loves us, isn't he? I thank God for the men and the women that discipled my wife and I. I I thank God because I remember being challenged sometimes. I remember one day, this is funny, I'd been going to outreach like for a solid like, I don't know, three months. And back then we had outreach on Fridays and we had outreach on, you know, Saturdays and stuff. And one day I just decided, you know what, I got to catch up on some things. I got to fold clothes, wash clothes. I got things that I got to take care of at home. And I just didn't go. And I got a call. And it was one of the, the brothers that called me. He goes, hey, Jose, where you, we didn't see you at outreach today. I said, oh, yeah, I had to take care of a few things and I was encouraged to serve God put God first now I could have easily been like man who do they think they are to tell me I shouldn't be at outreach I got things to do I'm my own man I run my own life but you know what they cared enough about me they cared enough to know that my faith was still fragile like a newborn baby is fragile And if you leave a fragile baby by themselves outside, exposed to the elements, the enemy is quick to come and pounce, isn't he? And they were concerned. We didn't see him one day. I hope he's okay. And it ministered to me. I was a little upset. I'm not going to lie. I was like, gosh, man, one day, seriously? There's like 30 people out there. They don't need me. But then one day God showed me it's because they care about you. You're still new. Stop thinking you know it all. It's like, oh, that's true. I'm only saved two months. What do I really know? Church, let's be encouraged. Let's be discipled through true, authentic fellowship. Be that authentic fellowship person if no one is fellowshipping with you in an authentic way then maybe god is giving you this message today you be that authentic person you be that authentic encourager you be that authentic discipler you be in communion with the holy spirit you be in communion with god the father you be in communion with the son and then let true authentic fellowship come through you and growth will come through you Because the Bible says that day by day, the number of people being saved grew. Why? Because they were having authentic fellowship. You see, when it's not authentic, it depletes the church. When it's authentic, it brings growth to the church. Church, we are in a prime position to bring growth, to fill all these seats in the house of God. We are in a prime position. I know many of you. You guys have wisdom. You have life experience. You have powerful faith that encourages me. I believe it's time that God is saying, hey, 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 it's time to encourage one another. It's time to raise up those that are new that don't know much. Go out of your way. Encourage them in the faith. Disciple them. Come alongside them like those big, hefty, strong trucks and guide their little fragile faith down the path. Because the enemy's trying to take them out and they don't know it. And I believe that when we do that as a church, day by day, those who are being saved will be added to the church. Who agrees with me on that? Who receives that today? And please, for those of you that are newer, don't get offended when people check up on you. They're trying to encourage your faith. Don't get upset when the pastor says, hey, how you doing? How are things? Oh, it's the pastor. What does he want to tell me? Oh, he wants to tell me something. No, we love you. We care about you. That's why we reach out to you. Don't get mad when people approach you at church and ask you, how are things? What's going on in your life? We, you know, We need to get rid of this independent spirit that the devil's trying to infiltrate the church with. It's a demonic spirit. It's a demonic spirit that tries to infiltrate that says, I don't need nobody, I don't need no one to guide me. I don't need no one to tell me. I do what I feel God tells me. No, 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 no. That's not the way the God structured faith to be. You notice it said in the first scripture, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. You know what that means? That God wants us to submit to teachings, not make your own teachings up, not go by what you think alone. We have to let God use those people that he has put in our lives to help us, church. Let, Let God help you. I believe God wants to get rid of that independent spirit that is in many of us that says, I don't need people. I only need God. But that's not God's message. God's message is we need people. So that's a contradiction. That's not theological. Show me a scripture that says you don't need people, that you only need God. Please. Because I have 10 more to show you otherwise. I have 20 more to show you the opposite. Don't fall for the lie of independence, church. We need one another, we need each other's encouragement. We need each other's prayers. We need each other's fellowship. We need each other's strength. We need each other's guidance. We can't do it alone, church. We got to stop trying to think we could do this faith walk alone. We need some big trucks in front of us and behind us to hug us through, don't we? Trust me, there's always somebody more wise and stronger than you in the faith. Reach out to them. We need it. God intended it. It's part of what brings growth to the church. Amen.